onto a field. I don't know if you saw that with Rysel Iglesias, the shorts. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened. I'm sure we'll talk about it later. You'll have yeah. to everybody, including myself. So welcome to the North-South Podcast. Again, I hope you're not as mad as Rysel Iglesias. Of course you're not. They're listening to the North-South Podcast. Damn right. It's Jacobs with the shorts. We back. We better. We ready to roll. On an exciting episode of the North-South Pod... Really exciting. We uh, we'll have a special guest. At the end of the pod. We usually I feel like we usually start with the special oh, guest. He's going to end it. Yeah. Breaking he's, news. Breaking news. We'll give a nice introduction at the time, but since you're listening, you already know what's about to happen. We'd like to take this time to thank our friend Greg Murphy. From the Philadelphia Phillies. That's so cool, ain't it? Pretty awesome, dude. Uh, it's somebody that we've been going after for a little while now. Uh, anybody who watches Phillies baseball knows Murph was the sideline reporter, the in uh, you know the in-game host essentially. Uh, we take it from T Mac and and the guys in the booth. Uh, give reports from the stands and all around the ballpark, all over. Uh, unfortunately, with you know, we'll, we'll get more into it eventually, but, you know, does the pre- and post-game live now for the radio team, luckily, was brought back. Uh, great move, in my opinion, as Good well. Job. Yeah, great job, Phillies. Uh, so we're super excited to have him. We'll have him on later in the podcast. Uh, we have, uh, we are interviewing him on Tuesday, the day that the pod will most likely drop. We are recording right now on Sunday, so... We don't know how it's going to go, other than we know it's going to go awesome. Murph is the man. Super happy that we finally were able to get him and his, his super busy schedule. I, I'm, I mean, I know he's in San Diego right now with the boys. So, should we be... tell them the surprise, or should we hint at it, or? Oh, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll know. They'll know if you're listening. Uh, Murph is kind enough to give us a good little bit of his time, so we'll we'll ask him some questions and then. Uh, I, we'll do I feel like they'll know by the time like the interview with Murph starts. Like they'll know exactly. So uh, super, super excited 
for this pod. We've been looking forward to it, especially now that we've got Murph locked down. You know, if anything happens, uh, you know, I, I'm sure I'll make a little input in the, uh, I guess, mid-pod or whatever, <laughs> where he was supposed to hop in. And uh, to short tonight, I'll figure something out to give you uh, the end of the pod like we usually do. Four. So we'll, we'll make it work. But, you know, all signs are pointing towards uh, Mr. Murphy joining us Tuesday. Pretty exciting. So welcome, guys. Uh, we are excited to be would- here. You didn't come on with us now. What? That'd be awkward if you didn't end up joining with us, wouldn't it? Well, if he doesn't, you know, things happen. Anyway, welcome to the North South Podcast. I'm the Shorts. That's Jacobs. And we're just two dudes talking about sports for... We're going to be talking here for, I would think, around an hour. Who knows? But, um, Jacobs, let's just get right into it. Uh, Start us off what happened with... uh, the brawl in Anaheim, we had today Seattle and, of course, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Forget the, the pitcher's name. Young pitcher hit Jesse Winker. Last pitch- Wentz, I'm pretty sure. It was like Wentz. Yeah, whatever it is. Um, hit Jesse Winker, first pitch of the second inning. And this is something that's been uh, you know boiling over. This is the eighth time, I think, in 11 days or 11 games these two teams have played. That's a lot, obviously. So they're kind of sick and tired of each other. Both teams are underperforming, especially, you know, the Angels were started off the season very good and, you know, plummeted for a while. And the Mariners are just underperforming in general after almost making the playoffs last year. So both these teams are kind of frustrated and Winker gets hit with a pitch. Little backstory to clarify it i want to say justin upton got hit in the head for the mariners also completely forgot he was on the mariners he's just been everywhere at the end of his career former former angel former angel yeah i was gonna say yeah um i believe he got hit in the head by an angels pitcher not too long ago and i think they threw at trout the night before like last saturday night i believe they threw at trout there might have been another somebody who got hit or almost got hit so it's kind of retaliation. You know, Winker may or may not be the best player on the Mariners, obviously one of them. And he didn't take kindly to that. And actually, he didn't even charge the mound or, you know, the catcher. He went right after the Angels dugout. Phil Nevin, former MLB player, one of the coaches on the Angels, they were going at it, drawn, and dugouts cleared. And they were actually throwing. Like, J.P. Crawford got in there and, like, jumped on people and was, like, throwing full-on punches. Yeah. It, it was It was kind of an ugly scene. But at the same time, it's like it's ugly. But at the same time, who doesn't love a good base brawl? <laughs> exactly. Like, there's like, like hockey fights are insane, but like there's only like two, four people fighting. Like, like when there's fights in the MLB, it's like sixty. Yeah. And then the bullpens come running in. Like it's uh-huh. you have four umpires trying to break up like sixty grown men. <laughs> I was watching it. One umpire, he just backed up and he just watched it. There's only so much you can do. Yeah. You know no. what I mean? Like it's like. You're not. I, I know you have a job to do, but like you're really trying to get clocked by one of these like twenty-five year old, twenty-eight year olds who are just like in Let's the prime of their career. By Mitch Haniger. What? Let's go and get clocked by Mitch Haniger. Yeah, like it's, it's the last thing you want to do. It's like I don't get paid enough for this nonsense. Like Angel Hernandez has to make bad calls. He can't get hit too while he does it. Maybe it'll fix him. I don't know. I think you need a lot more than a punch to fix that man. He's terrible, but. Yeah, uh, they finally, you know, it died down, and they went at it again, and then it, I think it kind of finally died down after about three or four minutes, 
for the second time. And I think they finally all went back to their dugouts. And then Rysel Iglesias just randomly comes out of nowhere from the Angels dugout, their closer. I think he's still mad that Bryce hit that moonshot off of him in Philly a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm mad he's a diamond in the show, but... <laughs> That's another story. Iglesias takes this huge bucket of sunflower seeds that has, like, all the bags of them and just... First of all, I mean, it was a really nice throw. I mean, he, he like, launched that thing. But just launched all these sunflower seeds onto the field, like, on the third baseline. And I'm pretty sure the dugout's cleared again. So it's like... I don't... <laughs> it made no sense to do it. It's... Yeah. Just, I don't know, but... I don't it's know. I All the way up in the bullpen. Yeah, it's like... And that sucks, too, like, these bullpen guys. It's like, dude, I just got back to the bullpen, and I got to run all the way back through the outfield again <laughs> to get all the way back to home plate. It's a lot of work. But the one thing that was not ideal for the Mariners, I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was so three of the four people who got ejected for the Mariners. It was Julio Rodriguez, J.P. Crawford, and Jesse Winker. They were three of the first four hitters in the lineup today. That's good. Yeah, so – they, you know, they had to replace them, but I don't know what the score is or who won, but I don't know. It was just a mess. So, at least the Phillies won. That's cool. Sure. Three or four from the Dodgers. The night after, um, man, Bryce Harper. It's, dude, I, I swear, the city of Philadelphia just can't have anything nice. No. Joel like, Embiid, fun. just get every year something happens. The Angels won two to one. The Angels did win. Yeah. Um, so Embiid gets hurt. The Flyers, they'll start good. And then, like, everybody gets hurt and they stink. The Eagles, I don't they, – you know, they, they do well. And then they have to face Tom Brady in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. They won the Super Bowl. Then they went, oh, yeah, we're three. We are, we're a three-win team. Yeah. So, I don't, the Phillies are finally starting to play better. And Bryce Harper gets – hit in the hand and breaks his thumb and is out for who knows how long. It's just, it's crazy. No, no excuses for this team. And I'll, I'll say that. No, of course not. And you know what? Nick Castellanos today, we talked last night when it happened. We were all, you know, me, him, and me to shorts and our boy Whittle were on a PlayStation call together, you know, playing the show. And uh, we even said, we, you know, the shorts said it first. He said, it's time for Castellanos to step up. Plain and simple. And JT. And J- JT's been stepping up the last couple of nights, luckily. No, of course. Couple the money these runs. guys are being paid, without Bryce Harper in the lineup, that's still $200 million payroll. Of course, yeah. That's and a joke. So. And listen, these guys showed it today. And I think one of the, the huge X factor here is Kyle Schwerber. When Kyle Schwerber plays oh well, the team God. plays well. Dude, he's so good. I'm Also, disclaimer, Jacob spent way too much money on a college floorboard jersey last night. Feeling a little better after another big performance today, going oppo-boppo with another homer. Dude, June June Schwarber is like another animal. Like, he's a Hall of Famer on his own. It's insane. Also, I'm not dumb enough to say Schwarber's a Hall of Famer right now. I'm just saying. June Schwarber is a legend. Absolutely. Like, Game 6 Clay, bro. For sure. But it's just tough right now. Baseball. But, the amount of injuries, too, in all of baseball, like by these star players. Mm-hmm. I mean, luckily, baseball, I think, is deep enough 
at least at the moment. Of course, you don't want your star players to get hurt. But, you know, you have people like Mookie Betts. Tatis hasn't played yet this year. Manny Machado's out now. Um, Yeah. Tatis, from what I understand, I don't think there's any, like, he still hasn't been even cleared to swing at bat, I don't think. So, you know. He may miss the whole year. I mean, you get to a certain point. I I don't want to say red shirt and this and that. But, like, I mean, they're going to be in the playoff race, you would think, unless they just fall off. So they're going to bring it back at some point unless, you know, just terrible happens. But, I mean, Scherzer's missed a lot of time. Has DeGrom really pitched much this year? DeGrom has not pitched a single game this year. That's what I thought, yeah. Like, and the match is still so good. It's crazy. But but that's that's the thing, though, with the Phillies. Like, you got these teams, like the Braves last year without a team. They won the World Series. Yep. This, this Mets team without DeGrom and Scherzer. Uh, the Padres team, no, no Tatis. And all, all these Phillies fans, they're sitting here and they're like, well, season's over. It's not. No way. You spend all this money on these guys. Nola's playing well. Wheeler's playing well. Sir Anthony is playing out of his mind right now. He's in my unreal. opinion, be the closer. JT stepping it up. It's time for Nick to do something. Please four, do something. Hey, four for five today. He looked good. Reese, Reese had a good five, six, seven game stretch. Now he's starting to come back to earth a little bit. And another thing everybody forgets, Gene Segura's out. Yeah. He's been out for a minute. And you know what the cool thing is with this team now? I think Segura is out until at least September. I thought I'd seen. No, it's, what really? Yeah, it's. I thought it's, I saw six to eight weeks. Uh, I saw both. I saw six to eight, and I also saw uh, August September. Wow. Well, but he hasn't even been out a month yet. So you got to think. I don't think it's been a month yet, has it? I thought it's been a little over a month. But either way, that's still another month. That's July. You're looking at, you know what I mean? You're, we're probably looking at like August or so. You got to rehab. You got to this mm-hmm. and that. I think he got injured right before Joe Girardi was fired. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah it was, Scott hit that home run with Rob Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's in within like three to five games of each other of him being fired and, and Gene getting injured. I think that sounds right. I think it was against the Giants. I also think it was against the Giants. But that Giants yeah. series going into the Angel series. Yeah, I think that's what it was. But either way, I mean, you look at this team, though, and I know it sounds like we're just talking Philly. This is a national story right now with Gene Segura and obviously Bryce Harper, the reigning MVP. Um, if the Phillies can weather this storm, you get somebody like Bryce Harper back, probably, if I had to guess, a little after the de- right before the deadline. July 31st or a little after. And then you get Gene Segura right back after as well. That's two. If this team can hang in there, that's essentially two players you're getting almost like trade value for. If, if you understand where I'm going with this, mm-hmm. you're injecting back into your lineup. If you can stay afloat and you're, it's two all-star players. Yeah. You're adding to a lineup. So. And I don't want to jinx it. The bullpen, the, the past two games have been phenomenal. Yes, it has. And, you know, the only loss in this series was a one nothing loss that Nola threw a gem and his brother happened to get an RBI single from. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you just be – even without Tatis and without Machado, it's still a really good Padres team. Sure. So, you just took three or four on the road at the end of your road trip after two disappointing losses to the Rangers. You know what? 
at least you can go back home. You have the Braves on Tuesday. It's to a point now where it's like, I think they're five games back of the Braves, roughly, in that area. You're, you're still not far back. Like like we said, I, I highly doubt you're catching the Mets. That's another story. But you're sitting in a good enough spot where all you have to do is hang around, don't get swept, don't lose every series, win a few series, you can lose one here and there, make a move or two with the All-Star break, you know, right around a little after the All-Star break with the trade deadline, get your guys back, and anything can happen. So, you you make it to the playoffs, anything can happen. I I didn't even think the Braves were going to beat the Brewers last year in the first round because the Brewers starting pitching is just incredible. Well, you know, last year and this year. but. Braves end up beating them, beat the Dodgers, beat the Astros. So that's how baseball works. Yeah, a guy that has to step it up to me, he pitched today, Kyle Gibson. Yeah, he's had a a good season. It hasn't been he, – he, he pitched, like, I wouldn't say out of his mind. But for Kyle Gibson last year, he almost did kind of pitch out of his mind last year when after they traded for him. Mm-hmm. So if him and, him and, you know, Ranger can hold down the fort, Zach – Still three and a half behind the Braves. Three and a half now, and they're playing right now. So, if the Braves lose tonight to the Dodgers, which we hope, mm-hmm. it'd be three games. So, yeah, I mean, anything can happen. It's still a long season. Philly fans. They are eight behind the Mets. Yeah. Philly fans, don't let this discourage you. Does it suck? Obviously, of course. You don't want the MV3 out too long, but it's still a good team. Who knows? She might not even be out that at that long. They said people, you know, you see a fresh thumb, you you think six to eight weeks. He may be back in five. I've seen two to three weeks for some people with thumbs too. Exactly. So you just don't know. But we'll see. For sure, see. for sure. I mean, like I said, this you don't want to see all these series small. against the Braves is gonna hurt with no Harper, obviously. Yeah. But like I like, said, there's no excuses. You gotta come out and perform. No, all like I said, all these teams without their stars. The Dodgers are still in first place. And, of course, ooh, excuse me, I mean, they're still the Dodgers. They have, like, almost an all-star team. But they're missing a lot of players right now. They don't have the depth they've had in recent years, you know, putting all their money into people like Freddie Freeman and Mookie and, you know, Trey Turner coming to the Phillies next year. Uh, please. Oh, God, please. And, you know, all these players. Kershaw has been – and that's the thing. Like, there's so many stars. Like, I know I've said, but, like, how many more stars are going to miss time? But I also love, though, how deep Major League Baseball is now. And people say, oh, it's a dying sport. Dude, Major League Baseball has so many good players and so many likable talents. So many good fan bases. And I just, I still don't think there's anything like going to a, a ball game. And, you know, having a dog, you know, being old enough, whatever, tailgating or having a beer. Get a nice Turkey Hill lemonade for the shorts. You know, stuff like that. Like a nice... You know, ice cream in, in the... In the helmet? In the, the helmet, yeah. The ice cream helmet, it's different, dude. Of course. Um, I love baseball. And shout out David Bednar, not getting a diamond. Max Freed, not getting cool. a diamond. How, how did both of those dudes not get diamonds? I don't know. Carlos Correa, you stink. No, I'm kidding. It's not his fault. I'm, I'm still holding. On oh, I'm, I'm holding too, but... I'm not. I don't know how much more I'm gonna buy of of Max Freed. He's like expensive now. Yeah. But I still have like thirty something of them. I think. 
That's good. I know you got like 90 or 100 at David Bednar's. I have 98. That's that's insanity. Yeah, we're we're just we're just going to hold. Shoot for the moon. Obviously, you know, Yankees, I don't know if you saw they had their 10th walk up walk off of the year. Today? Yes. Another one? Aaron Judge three run three run blast. That did that do okay, I think he's the MVP. I can say it now. Thank you. I think I'm starting to lean MVP judge. Thank you. He just had a walk off against the Rays that single too the other day. Yep. He just had another one. They just they, they keep figuring out a way to win. They don't lose. Yeah. Are they at twenty losses yet? Yes, they are fifty three and twenty. So they finally lost their twentieth. Yes, yesterday when they were no hit against the Astros, combined no hit. <laughs> and fun fact, today they were no hit through five innings. So they essentially went fourteen innings, no hit. Yes. Hey, shout out to the Astros. That's incredible to do that. Of course. Lineup. In my opinion, I think they're a better team than the Yankees are. The Astros? Yep. That's such a bold statement, Cotton. The way they all play together, I just. I get it. I just. I don't. I don't think the Yankees are. A World Series, yes, they're a World Series squad. I just think. I was gonna say you better fix that statement. You need Joey Gallo to play well. Aaron, there's no way Aaron Judge plays like this the whole year, right? You wouldn't think. But... Like he's gonna slow down eventually. Probably. Everybody on the Yankees, everybody around, is playing well. The starting pitching has been incredible. Yes, the starting pitching is insane. Although Court Nestor had a. I, I think he had a showing today. He had a disappointing showing. He gave up about three earned runs, I want to say. Three earned is still a good start. Yeah, but not for how he was pitching. He was of pitching. Of course. No, no, no. I, I get right. But, I mean, Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino has pitched really well. Uh, Jamison Tyone. I know I'm missing somebody, but that's at least four right there. Did you say Luis Severino? Yeah. You know, Clay Holmes or oldest Chapman. Chapman's been out too, I'm pretty sure. That's another Thank person. Right. Yeah. It's it's just wow. Yeah, they're baseball's so deep, dude. I love it. Of course. So what do you think? Uh another deep sport we move into uh UFC. UFC is very deep. Dude. Speaking of deep, let's talk about this two seventy six. Oh my god. Up. Yeah, you go ahead. Um, I don't have the card right in front of me. I know it's headlined by Adesanya Cannoneer. I'm pulling uh, it up right now. Go ahead. Also headlined by Holloway Volkanovski. You have your fighters like Sugar Sean O'Malley fighting, Sean Strickland's fighting. Um, so here you go. I got you right here. So, wait, where's the fifth fight? Why is it not showing? That's weird. Who am I missing? Oh, the girls' fight. Um. It's uh, Misha Tate and Laura Murphy. Okay. Yeah, so you have Sugar Sean O'Malley, Pedro Munoz, Sean Strickland, and is it Alex Pereira? Uh, yeah. Um, Volkanovski Holloway is the co-main. The fight right before that, Lauren Murphy and Misha Tate, which is going to be a bloodbath, I think. Great fight. Mm-hmm. And Izzy Adesanya, Jared Cannonier. Honestly, too, most of these fights are very close in um, 
uh, on the betting lines. That, and that's what's so good about him, in my opinion. Like, you got the O'Malley. And then, like, you know, you have your Holloway, you have Adesanya. And then after that, there's not a whole lot of big names. Like, there's these guys that you know that are dogs. But the people that are fighting are just as dogs. Yep. So I think it's I think it's going to be a great card. It's set up to be the best card of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's international fight week, so it makes sense that Dana loaded the card. Because you course. look at even, even the prelims, like the early prelims. Uriah Hall, Macy Barber, Jessica I, Brad Tavares, um, and then you look, you know, the regular prelims: Jim Miller against Cowboy Cerrone, um, Robbie Lawler, uh, Ian Gary, who can throw a little bit. You yeah. got Brad Riddle, who I like. Uh, was that Bobby Turner? Is that his name? Um, I'm thinking of Bobby Green. I'm sorry. Yes, you are. Gabe Green. Gabe, Gabe Turner, you mean? There's a Gabe Green fighting Ian Gary, and there's a Jalen Turner fighting Brad Riddle. Jalen Turner. That's, yeah. Um, th- this fight card's loaded. Uh, we'll give you some predictions now. Uh, I guess we'll start with that Sean O'Malley fight. Is there any way he loses? Of course there's a way he loses. No, that's, that's, that's not is, what I'm is, Pedro Munoz is that guy. Um, he, I believe he's he's top ten UFC rank, uh, bandweight ranking. And you you see these guys that Sean O'Malley fight fought, and you look at Chita Vera, and yeah, go well, uh, top top seven UFC bandweight fighter, and he couldn't beat him. Sean O'Malley got hurt in that fight. I think if he didn't get hurt in the foot in that fight, it'd be a completely different fight. Yep. But if he beats up Pedro Munoz. Like he beat up all these other guys. The other guys he beat up don't have, or they're not big names. This is the first big name guy, and I think I think if he if he uh, beats him and you know he shows he shows that he's got it, then you know he shows that he's got it. And he, I I'll say I'll say it. He's for real. But right now, I'm not going to say he's for real yet. He could be all hype. We still don't very much know. So your prediction? Do you think he wins or loses? I think he knocks him out in the third round. So I, th- I think he's that guy, but I'm not sure. So you have Sean TKO round three, round two or round three. Okay. I don't, th- I don't think he takes him out in round one. I feel like Moonhouse is too good. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that's one of those. If he's going to win, it's going to be he wears him out at the dog fight. Yeah. Uh, Sean Strickland and Pereira. I really didn't know about Pereira. If you want to talk about him a little bit, I know he's he's a prospect on the up and come. Um, so he's a young prospect. He was signed maybe a little under a year ago. He had his first fight. He had a knockout in the second round by a flying knee. He's a six foot two middleweight. He could do anything you want. He throws like an absolute monster. And this Sean Strickland Pereira fight Pereira, however you pronounce his name, I apologize, Alex. However, you, however you want to pronounce it, he is a dog. He is a dog. You look at the record and you go, ooh, Cyril Gaon type guy. And he is a prospect like Cyril Gaon. He's young, and the dude can throw. You'll, you guys will see it Saturday. I, I like. I don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, they gave him some bum his first fight, which he clearly did not deserve. He absolutely demolished him. He can, and Sean Strickland can throw. He's yeah. looked really good lately. Of course, Sean Strickland looked phenomenal. 25-3 was supposed yeah. to fight Luke Rockhold before he, he uh, pulled out the fight. He destroyed Uriah Hall. He is also that dude. So... I think if Strickland beats Pierre, Alex, I'm just going to call him Alex, uh, and if Alex beats Sean, you you got to look at these guys as a top five middleweight right now and, you know, starting to give them a title fight. Yeah. Uh, Fun Pereira, fact, Alex is favorited. Pereira, yeah, Pereira is 5-1, uh, minus 120 favorite. It's it's a close line. It's almost a pick on. 
So, and then, you know, you move into, uh, I don't have the line, but you have Misha Tate, Lauren Murphy. I think that fight could really go either way. Misha Tate, you know, coming back, she looked good since she's come back, but I don't know. Lauren, they both. Really I like Lauren Murphy in this right. fight. Yeah, I, I, just, I think I lean Lauren Murphy. Misha Tate's past her prime, and yeah. I, I, I like think Lauren Murphy. she could be a top five fighter in the, in the division, but. I I think Lauren Murphy is uh is better than her in, in pretty much all aspects. Yeah, I agree with that. So that moves into you know what I want to skip over the co-main because I want to hear you talk about that more than I want to hear you talk about the main event. Sure. So let's talk about the main event first. We have Adesanya Ades- win. Adesanya and Jared Cannonier. I also agree. I lean Adesanya in that fight. But Cannonier. I will say Jared Cannonier looked really good against Derek Bronson in his last fight. Yes, he did. Cannonier was beat by Robert Whitaker. He was almost beat by Kelvin Gaslam. I thought Kelvin Gaslam should have won that fight. It was a good fight, yeah. Derek Brunson, obviously, he's fighting these guys like Kevin Holland and Darren Till, and these guys can't fight on the feet or on the mm-hmm. ground. And Derek Brunson's a wrestler, so he's just taking these guys out, and he's he's cooking them. I, I think he... Uh, I think the striking of Izzy Adesanya, because it, that's just on another level. Of course. And the same thing with Robert Whitaker. Yeah. A, with how hard Adesanya hits, but how fast he hits. Absolutely. I mean, it's crazy. Like His leg kicks are going to break him down. So oh. He's going to want to go down to the feet, and Adesanya's going to and he's going to know that. And he's going to keep his distance. Because he's so long, yeah. Absolutely. Be. Oh, I, I also saw something. If this isn't about this fight. I want to hear your opinion, because we know how much Declan loves Kamara Usman. Did you see what Dana White said in a uh, press conference? That, so they, they went to Salt Lake City, because Usman's going to be fighting there. No, give me some news. Dana White was with, I want to say the CEO or the owner or whatever he is of, of the Utah Jazz because they were in Vivint where they're going to be fighting. And Kamar Usman, first of all, if he wins his next fight against um, Leon Edwards, he's going to tie, I want to say, the record by Anderson Silva for consecutive title fights won or just sure. consecutive UFC fights won. He called Usman, he officially said he's the greatest welterweight of all time. Right now, he said he's 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 the the best weather welterweight of all time. Beat Hamzat. I'm just saying. I knew you'd like that. So if once he beats Hamzat, I, I'll say it. But you got to beat Hamzat first. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I just thought you'd enjoy that. But yeah, no, Izzy Adesanya. Looking back at this one, I just think he's too much for Cannonier. I think Cannonier can win around maybe two. I think. Yeah. I, I think this fight goes maybe four, maybe five. I, I think Izzy wins in a knockout. I just have a weird feel. He hasn't really – I mean, he hasn't had a knockout in a while. You know what I mean? No, he hasn't. You're right. I, I think he's due. Like, you know, you think about it, you're like, one of these times – you know, we can go the distance. One of these times he's going to be like, dude, I don't feel like I don't feel like going all five. Let's just end this now. Yeah. No, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I, the last big knockout I saw him do might have been that Whitaker one in their first fight. I, I don't think that's his last one he's had, but hey, the Gastelum fight, didn't that go five rounds? Then went five. Gastelum went five. His last Whitaker went five. Blahovich went five. Vittori went five. He did not got Costa, did he? Yes, he did. He knocked out in the second round. Okay, so that's the last one. But Yep. That's Even that's been a while, though. No, you're right. Yeah, he's due. I think, I think this might be the one you see Adesanya end with a knockout. 
So this brings us to this the second to last fight of the night. The co main event. <laughs> the one that Declan will be watching harder than anybody probably on the face of the earth. Alexander the Great Volkanovsky defending his belt against Max Blessed Holloway. Declan's number one. Honest opinion, Declan. What happens? Not don't even go, don't you don't have to start with your what happened. What happens? Like talk me through the fight before you tell me who wins. So I think they start off round one like every champion starts it off. These guys are both champions. They yep. they start it off and they feel each other out. This is what Max Holloway does in every fight. Yep. He gets he gets his hits in. He, this guy doesn't throw for power. He throws for speed. He's going to start feeling him around, see, seeing what he likes. All right. I think. Holloway takes round one because he's so he's so good at feeling at feeling his fighter out. Yep. And I th- I think Volkanovski is going to try to break him down, start breaking him down in round one. And I think Holloway's just going to try to take his time here. And I think to to elaborate on that real quick, rewatching the fight, the the last Volkanovski Holloway fight. First of all, it was closer than I I even I know we've both talked about it. Holloway won. I still think Holloway won. It was closer than I remembered it being. Uh, I think we were both just caught up in the moment. We've talked about that a little bit, you know, in, in private talk, me and Declan. Mm-hmm. And phenomenal fight still, though. And you can't leave it to the judges. But I think I agree with what you're saying about Holloway round one because Holloway, in my opinion, clearly won rounds one and two in that fight. And I think, like you said, Volkanovski kind of sat, not sat back. He had his moments, but he kind of let Holloway control. And Holloway had had octagon control, oh, my God, almost all of rounds one and two. Because he's so long. Right. That but he, he can fact, put him though, wherever he wants. And... But but Declan, Volkanovski has a longer reach. Holloway's the bigger man. Volkanovski is longer. Really? Yes. And I didn't realize that either until I saw tail of the tape. Volkanovski has an inch or two on him in reach. Holloway has two or three inches, four inches on him. Height-wise, Volkanovski is the longer fighter in that sense, that reach-wise. So kind of interesting with that. Oh. And he's got tree trunks for legs. He thought... Yeah, dude, his, his uh, legs I, are nuts. I think the key for Volkanovski here is for him to attack the body, to attack the legs. He's not going to be able to knock out Max Holloway. Nobody's been able to do it. No. no nobody can knock out Max Holloway. Max Holloway uh, might have the best chin in the end, other than, like, Nate Diaz. Max Holloway might have the best just, chin H- in all of the yeah. No, of course. Max Holloway, his, what he has to do is he has to control, he has to control the feet. He needs to have more significant strikes. He, he doesn't have that. He's not going to kick Volkanovski. He's pissed that he lost his belt. He's going to go at him. It's, I think it's going to be a dogfight. Yes. No, I 100% agree. I think this very well may be one of the fights of the year, if not the fight of the year. I'm, I'm calling it right now. Mm-hmm. Holloway's pissed that he lost those first two fights. I think he said he thought he, he won the second fight. Dude, which... Dana White, we've, we've said, Dana White, you're, you're, the, the owner of the UFC has come out and said he won the second fight. Like, he said, what are the judges seeing? Joe Rogan lost it on the judges. I, I don't know if you heard about that after it happened. Like, yeah, Holloway won the second fight. Let's be real. You can't leave it up to the judges, but he won the second fight. Like, come on. Yeah. This this is a 1-1. Whoever wins this wins, in my opinion. That's that. And I think that's why they're giving him the trilogy fight. Of course, You have to, of course. Because they thought he won the second fight. Well, that and you saw Brian Ortega fight. And even he gave – that is the best fight I've ever seen Brian Ortega fight. I haven't seen him fight a lot, but I've seen a couple of yeah, the, the fight was unreal. And he still didn't have enough to beat Volkanovski. 
Volkanovski's that dude. We're not, uh, me, me and Jacobs aren't discrediting him. No, Volkanovski and Holloway are one, two, and then there's everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're, nobody compares to those two in that division. Nobody. But I just think, I think Holloway is just the superior boxer, and these guys won't be on the ground. Holloway's the better boxer. But Volka's can't, Volka can throw. I mean, we're not saying he can't. Of course, I, mean, I think I think the way Volkanovski wins is he attacks the body, he attacks the legs, and he starts to open up Max Holloway. He starts to push him against the cage, and then that power starts to come in. Yep, Volkanovski's a stronger fighter. We when you're hurt, that, when yeah. you're hurt, and your 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 arms are open, and you're against the cage, and you don't got that power, that's not good for Max Holloway. That's going to lose him the fight. Yep. So I think I think Holloway wins in the decision. You think it? You think it goes all five again? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because neither neither of these guys are going out. Yeah. There's no shot. No, I agree. I don't think either of them are getting knocked out. But I don't know if you you think I got Holloway in five. You have Holloway in five. This fight, like I said, I think this is very much a possible candidate for fight of the year. Especially after that, you know, Prohaska. I don't. I, you don't want to sit here and be like, I don't know if anything anything can live up to that fight. I really don't know if anything, at least in my opinion, right now can live up to that. What we just saw in that that main event on, on the last pay per view card with Prohaska and Teixeira. But I think this has the makings of being very very close to that. And honestly, call me crazy. I think Adesanya Kananir has a very big possibility of being a great fight too, because I think Adesanya is someone who can very much under undervalue somebody else. So. That's another story, but I think for how young Max Holloway is, still in the grand scheme of things, for how, how long he's been around, mm-hmm. and, you know, Volkanovski, I think you have to agree with me that every time we've seen Volkanovski fight, he looks better. Yeah. He's still getting better. And I understand Holloway's better than Ortega is. Ortega's a very good fighter. I understand that. Chan Sung Jung is a good fighter, but he's not on their level and didn't deserve, if we're being real, a championship fight. But you had to have somebody fight Volkanovski. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Volkanovski just gets better every time you you see him fight. And he hasn't been in the game super, super long either. People forget about that. And, you know, he was a rugby player for a long time. He's a great athlete. He's a smaller guy, but he's long. He's so freaking powerful and strong. He's got his legs are tree trunks or like you know they're they're just I don't know I I hate to be that guy because I love Max Holloway too I think I lean Volkanovski in five in a decision in a very close fight in a split decision fight but I, I'm I'm gonna be rooting for Holloway with you and I know I'm sure Austin will as well I'm, I'll be watching with my man Austin but we root for the champ we we're rooting for Holloway and we root for the champ but I think. I think Volkanovski knows what everybody's been saying about how Holloway won that fight and this and that, and they've been talking and talking and talking. Oh, great win by you, Volko. Another good win, but, like, Holloway's the champ, this and that. I just – I really tend to lean – I think think Volkanovski's had it, and I think he's like, you know what? I'm going to prove to everybody that Holloway, yes, is a great fighter, but this is my division. And at least for the time being, this is my belt, and you're not taking it from me. And I think he wins in a split decision fight, and I hope I'm wrong. But that's what my sure. that's what my heart, my head, kind of tends to lean with. Sure. So well, I think that's enough UFC talk. We should yeah shift over. 
There was a draft that happened last week. Um, sure Jeff, was. Yeah. One that we uh, we probably shouldn't have done some kind of mock for that we realized, oh, we didn't do any kind of mock for it. But it, we, just, yeah. it came up so fast, though, dude. Yeah, I didn't even know when the draft was. Like, you were like, oh, the draft starts on, like, Monday or something. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, almost, but... Almost a little bit of surprise at number one. Yeah, no. That, like, I was telling you, we were watching – I was watching the draft. I was talking to you while we were watching it. And this is 15 minutes before the first pick is made. Paulo, and, and the tweet from Shams is, Paulo Bittacaros made a strong case to be the number one pick. And know what the funny thing is? The Orlando – he never worked out for the Magic either. Really? The Orlando Magic never worked out Paolo Bancaro. So who did they work out? I know they worked out Chet. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I know they worked out Jabari, uh, Jabari Smith. But they didn't work out Paolo, from my understanding. They just saw enough tape, and they, like, you know, talked to people and this and that, and they were like, shit, we kind of like him. Yeah. I mean, what's not to like? You know, he's of course six foot ten, can play, you know, back to the basket. Good rebounder, pretty good defender, can shoot the three, nice stroke. I, I, I like Paolo a lot. And, you know, I think in any given year, if any of these three players were in a draft by themselves, if that makes sense. They're the number one pick. Most likely all three of them are the number one pick. Mm-hmm. So I think all three teams. I think Orlando taking Paolo Bancaro out of Duke. I think the Thunder taking Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga. And I think the Rockets taking Jabari Smith just kind of fell to them at three. I think all of them got potential number one overall pick player. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to be superstar Hall of Famers. I think they're going to be all-star type caliber players, though, all three of them. Sure. And I think they all could be a face of a franchise. So I agree. I I think all three of them have very bright futures. I, I am very interested to see in Chet Holmgren how I'm not so. Call me crazy. I'm really not worried about Paolo at all fitting in with Orlando because they have a lot of young talent, a lot of good pieces. I think he fits almost seamlessly into that team. Chen Holmgren fits very well and very nicely into the Thunder. But, like, to be, what, 7'2", seven, seven, whatever he is? And he's 7 foot, 195 pounds. 195, dude. Like, that's, that's crazy. I know I'm fat, but, like, I have 100, I, oh, no, 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 no. I have 70 pounds on the man. And... That's, I mean, that's because I'm a big boy. But, like, I probably have more muscle than Chet Holmgren does. <laughs> like, that's – you got to see – and people were saying, oh, well, he'll fill out, you know, kind of Kevin Durant. Will he fill out? I mean, the body frame that he has, it's not like he's broad. He's just tall and long. Mm-hmm. He's skinny. It's Kevin Durant-esque, you know? I mean, I, I think he'll fill out too. Uh... I don't think he'll fill out like crazy, though. How much is he going to fill out? Uh, well, you see Giannis. Yeah, but Giannis, oh, he, he's broad, though. Like, it's just, if you look back, like, he has those big, broad shoulders. Chet's very slim in his figure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still think because he can stretch the floor as much as he can, I, I, I think he can still be a very successful player and an all-star in the league. But I, I'm interested to see. And I'm interested to see. Maybe this is an overreaction on my part, but Jabari Smith going to the Rockets, he did not look happy getting drafted at all. And I love that. But you can take that one of two ways, in my opinion. Obviously, number one, you can be like, you know what? Fuck you, Orlando. Fuck you, Oklahoma City. 
I'm going to prove to this league, especially when I play you two teams, I'm going to light your ass up and I'm going to go crazy. And I hope that's what he does. Or you can be like, yo, I'm supposed to be the number one pick. What the hell? And you're just not happy in Houston. Because it could go either way. Mm-hmm. He's 19 years old. You but know I, what I mean? if you're if you're talking about being the number one pick, you need to have the culture changing mentality. Of course you do. It'll be like I, I, I was picked number three. I'm about to show Orlando and what Oklahoma City did wrong. Of course, but you know what? Maybe maybe that's why Orlando didn't take him because they didn't think he had that fire that they needed. Mm-hmm. Whereas you see, Paolo, they did. He did, and I think yeah. he does. No, they, 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 they want Paolo to lead their team for sure. They want him to rebuild the culture in Orlando. Yeah. Rather than, you know, being a, a 11 seed seeded team in the East. And well, you know what? You could have somebody like Jabari Smith, and I don't, I don't know if that's why Orlando didn't take him. I'm not – I'm just guessing that could be a reason. But uh-huh. if, if they think that he's that guy, if they already have a bunch of those kind of guys on the team and you need that alpha in the room – that one person who's like, you know what, guys, in, in a five-game losing streak, it's like, you know what, we're okay. We're going to get through this. We're going to do it together. You know, we need to play better. I need to play better, and we're going to do it. And he does it. What if Jabari mm-hmm. Smith is not that guy? That, that may be. Yeah, so they need that dog, and I think Paolo's that dog. And I, I don't like Duke. I don't. I, I couldn't stand Coach K. I, I pull more for Carolina and the Tar Heels. Paolo Bancaro was a hell of a player. On He was on a very, very good Duke team, too. And he was the best player on the team. So I think his game translate, translates very well into the NBA. I think he's almost a bigger version of Jason Tatum. Maybe not quite as skilled offensively, but he's a better defender and he's a little bit taller and he's better down low, but he can shoot as well. I I think he compares nicely to somebody like him. Maybe like a Jabari Parker. Because um, I think Jabari, if he didn't blow his knees out, I think he still would have been a stud. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I, I think – I mean, the, the top three picks are with the top, talk of the draft. I, I think if if Tobias Harris was a good defender, I think Tobias Harris. Obviously, he can't get to the basket. Tobias Harris can't get to the basket like Paolo can, in my opinion. I agree. But, but I think Toby's also a little bit better of a shooter. Of course, yes. But that's something that he progressed with when he got into the league. And yeah. And I, I think Paolo Bencaro can be better than Tobias Harris. I really do. Oh, 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 100%. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe, I if DeMar DeRozan was a, maybe if DeMar DeRozan was a little bit bigger. I had a better shooter. Well, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you look at all these players, and I'm like, he reminds me a lot of, I, I, you know, maybe because it's Duke, but Jason Tatum. He reminds me a lot of Tatum. But he's a little bit better of of a defender. So, yeah, I, I mean – it was a very deep draft. Um, you know, a lot of teams probably thinking they they got top 10 talent even outside of the top 10. And, you know, then you look at the Knicks. <laughs> Didn't end up really drafting anybody. They just kind of traded different things. And But I like the move. Yeah, it gave themselves cap space for somebody like a Kyrie Irving if he, if he ends up being a free agent. For sure. From what I've heard, they're they're going hard after uh, Jalen Brunson, and apparently, it's mutual. From what I understand, listen, Jalen Brunson deserves that bag. Oh, uh, I I hope I hope he gets it. Novination, Novination, and well, his dad went to Temple too. And apparently, I was talking to Logan for a quick minute earlier. 
I think he said something about his dad might be an assistant for New York or a part of the staff in some capacity now too, mm-hmm. which would be smart for the Knicks to do. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, Dallas obviously could still use him, but I think if he walks high key, I mean, you can always keep Dinwiddie on the bench as, you know, one of those pieces where you just get some scoring off the bench. I still think you can throw Luke and Dinwiddie together. Mm-hmm. You have those two, then you have Christian Wood, maybe, you know, Reggie Bullock, Finney Smith, whatever you have. I, you still got a good team. Oh, um, yeah, as long as... Now, um, I, I got a question for you. Now that Rudy Gobert, uh, where we thought he was going to go, Dallas now has... Uh, I, I, still think Toronto, I still think Toronto is the place to look out for. Okay. I've said that from the start. I think he would have fit nicely into Dallas. And he still could because the Mavs have – the GM came out and said, we're not done yet. Like, we're not done. Yeah. So maybe that's one of those things. They let Jalen Brunson walk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you make a trade for Rudy Gobert and move salaries. That could very well happen too. So yeah. I he still could go to Dallas. You don't know. But, yeah, I, I don't know. The Sixers, you know, making the trade for DeAnthony Melton. Shout out to Danny Green. Uh, a I think are two very good years. It was a, a little bit of a roller coaster ride at times, but I think I, I at least I know speaking maybe speaking for you. I think Danny Green still you know had had a good two years in Philly. Of course, yeah. So obviously, it was very up and down for sure. Yeah, but you know, I think when push comes to shove, he was a critical part of the team. And no, I, I think agree. He'll, he'll be missed, but I like the Anthony Melton a lot. The trade that the Sixers make. You know, giving up the rights to the 23rd, I want to say, right? 23rd pick? Yes. And to Memphis for point guard DeAnthony Melton, who can kind of be a little bit of a combo. I kind of like – I like the move. You know, he, he averaged 10 points off the bench uh, amid the high 30% three-point shooter. Good defender. And part of that, you know, the tough Memphis, you know, he, he's he's won a little bit now. I, I like him. I, I think you can pair him with Shake Milton, or if if you don't like what Shake's given you, he's just your backup point guard. Can give you good minutes off the bench. I, I like it a lot. So, I like what the Sixers did. I love what the Hornets did, bringing in Mark Williams, the center out of Duke. I think he's yeah. a, I mean, great, great, great defender. And you even said you're like, holy shit, he's a big boy. Yeah, no, that that might be the pick of the draft. I love that, and then it's another. That's, that's just somebody to lob to for LaMelo under the basket on, like, a fast break, or you have him and Bridges to throw to now. I'm, I am I love that for the Hornets. Now they just have to find a head coach since Kenny Atkinson was like, um, I'm just going to stay in Golden State. <laughs> Ultimate flex. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, well. But, I mean, the Hornets have a nice little roster. Uh, don't know if it's quite a playoff roster. It's close, but... We shall see. No, it's definitely close for sure. Yeah, I, I still think it's a play-in roster. I don't think it's like a playoff roster yet, but it's close. Oh wait, you didn't see uh, what the Hornets hire? Who'd they hire? Steve Clifford. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. They brought him back. Yeah. You know he coached there before, right? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were shitting me. No. What? Yeah, Steve Clifford back back to the Hornets. Wow. Okay. Do you like the move? I don't hate the move. Former coach of the uh, Hornets, Hornets and Magic. 
yeah, I mean, I don't hate the move. I think I think they made the playoffs with him as the coach. Also, shout out Philadelphia Union. 2-1 win over New York FC in a late... Hello, hello. All right, anyways. Doop, doop, doop. Sorry. Um, yeah, Clifford was there when they were still the Bobcats, too. Um, let me see. Jackson isn't a... Yeah, that's that's why I'm like, I don't know if I like... I, I just don't understand how Mark Jackson has not gotten a second opportunity yet. Love me, Jackson. Mama, there goes that man. <laughs> that's like might be my favorite saying in all of like sports broadcast <laughs> it's absolutely up there let's see um what so... do we got? NFL there ain't a whole lot to talk about in the NFL is there Gronk retired by Gronk it's been real deuces yeah I'm looking at Steve Clifford real quick sorry to I mean 43 and 39 in 2013 they lost in the first round missed the playoffs next year they went 48 and 34 in 2015-16, lost in the first round, missed the playoffs two years in a row, and then went to Orlando. They went 42-40, and 40, lost in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Next year in Orlando, 33-40, and 40, lost in the first round of the playoffs. So, I don't, I don't hate it. It's not my favorite. Yeah. But, yeah, Gronk retired again. You th- oh, here's – do you think he comes back? No. I think he's done too. I really do. No, unless we all know if Brady's making a call, he's coming back. I don't think he does. I think he's done. I, I know think... it's funny though, too, because Brady, Drew Rosenhaus already came out and pretty much said if he gets a call, you know, maybe halfway through the season, getting closer to the playoffs, who knows, maybe he'll come back. If, if Tom calls, who knows what happens. And Brady, like, almost instantly posted a picture on Twitter of like somebody on the phone. <laughs> Oh, I was cracking up. It was so funny, yeah. I think the only – when I see him coming back, it is if the end of the season playoffs come and Brady's like, all right, we need to talk. Hey, um, shout out. First of all, shout out Tampa Bay. Forced in game six after that embarrassment in game two. Really stepped oh, up yeah. in Tampa and then that game five in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I think they got – that was a tough one. Or game tough. four, whatever it was when Kadri scored. It might have been game four. That crazy six man. They're yeah. up one nothing right now, fun fact. Really? Yeah. Not even uh seven minutes in. It's uh yeah, one nothing. Whoa. So you guys will already know what happens, obviously, when you listen to the pod. If they win tonight, we'll post the pod on Tuesday, most likely, and they'll be playing game seven Tuesday night. So do you think they hold on a win tonight, or you think Colorado closes it out tonight? I think Colorado closes it out tonight. I, I, I'm i going game seven. I like it. I just want to see a game seven. Yeah, so do I. I. I promise you I'll be watching that. But I'm going with my prediction. I think Colorado wins in six, but if Tampa Bay does win, it's going to be in seven games. I, th- I think Colorado wins seven. I think Colorado goes home and wins it. But I think this is the end. I don't. Not that they're not going to be good, but I think this is the end of Tampa's run, like dynasty-wise. Yeah, I got it. So, yeah, man. Um, Tampa's got the heart of a champion, though. It's it's fun to see. Like I said, we're definitely not just sitting here waiting for the flyer schedule to come out for next year to see uh, literally if we can go. We almost for some I don't know what happened last night. We were looking to see like when it would get posted, and uh, nothing. But 
I saw I saw some kind of article that was like, yeah, it usually posts the uh, like the third week of June. The Declan goes, Jacobs, check now, because <laughs> it's you know like right near the end of the June, it still hasn't been posted. I think last year it was posted uh, like July twenty second in that area. So who knows? Maybe it'll get posted when I'm home and we can figure it out while I'm while I'm in PA. Okay, we can convince uh, convince Dawn. Oh, she'll be all right with it. She'll be all right with it. I love it. Got to got to get the shorts to his first hockey game. Of course. We'll get on, get on the phone with Tortorella. Be like, "Yo, Torts." Yo, Johnny. We, Johnny Stop. P. We need some. We need some good seats. Okay. <laughs> really can't pick rocks. Yeah, he'll be like, "I'm sorry, who?" Could you imagine we got like Tortorella on the podcast? That'd be fun. Yeah, my team sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they suck. Neither do I. They're injured. Exactly. Thank you. Oh, he's thank he's you. like Derek Rose. God. The Flyers were a, a hockey Derek Rose as a whole. It's <laughs> the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. I saw there were other hirings in the NHL, too. I meant to say, I, I, I saw NHL. Oh, Paul Maurice. You, you might not know who that is. He, um, the Florida Panthers hired him. They had the interim coach, Andrew Brunette, after they got rid of Quenville at the start of the season because of all the allegations and stuff from Chicago. Sure. Um, Paul Maurice was a coach. It, it was rough. They had to get rid of Quenville. He was, it, it was bad, but that's another story. Um, but no, Paul Maurice was a coach for the Jets, I think, the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, a few teams. He's been around for a while, but he's a pretty winning coach, a good coach. And uh, Florida brought him in, kind of like to, to refresh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. I don't know why I'm so tired. I was at 30. We're actually recording at a decent time today. <laughs> but is that, is that it? Are we about done? Well, with this portion of the podcast, I guess. I mean, oh, wait a minute. We forgot to do something. What did we forget to do? Those things that we talk about. It's it's the ten things that we talk about every podcast. I I can't get a Oh, you mean our our top ten list of the week? Yeah. Uh, I think I got a pretty cool idea, Declan. Oh, before before you say that, quick question: there, There's a lot of things been going on in like pitching right now, and there's like a, a lot of a lot of controversies. What do you think your top ten starting pitchers are right now? I think. Hmm. I think we should get the the advice of somebody who actually like is pretty integrated in Major League Baseball. Probably. I think we should get Greg Murphy of the Philadelphia Phillies to give us his opinion, and we'll give our opinions and see where we stand with Murph. On the top well, 10 first, first, we got to ask him a few questions. But we're going to interview Murph. So with that being said, here is our interview with Greg Murphy. Enjoy, guys. Deuces! All right, guys, here is the second part of our podcast. We are incredibly excited to have with us the voice of the pre- and post-game live show for the Philadelphia Phillies radio network. We have with us the one and only Greg Murphy, a very special guest. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we are incredibly excited to have you with us. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for asking, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Um, I guess we'll just get you started. Um, Murph, if you don't mind telling us maybe just like a little bit of backstory of maybe how you um, how you got to where you got today. I know that, you know, it's a kind of an open-ended question, but uh, just I'll let you take the floor and just let us know um, how you got to where you are. 
Well, honestly, uh, sometimes I scratch my head and I, and I ask myself the same question. Um, I've been so lucky to uh, have grown up here in Philadelphia, South Jersey, and, um, and get an opportunity to uh, be a part of the Phillies organization now uh, over the last you know, 12 years or so. Um, you know, I started, I you know, went to St. Joe's University and went to school to be an attorney, and that was the plan, and started pulling college basketball games at St. Joe's as a freshman, and I, and I just started to think, wow, this is for beats depositions and briefs and stuff like that, and, and I thought, well, maybe I'll try this and see if, if it won't stick, and uh, I was lucky enough at St. Joe's to do a couple of great internships with uh, <clears throat> some folks like Neil Hartman. Um, who I'm still close with to this day. And, and um, you know, as I graduated and, and uh, got into the working world, I met so many great people. And, you know, slowly uh, I got a job as a um, overnight um, QVC and home shopping network host. Uh, and I sold sports memorabilia um, on television for a little while. And then I landed my first reporter's job up in Allentown and Reading. And, uh, and then from there, I was able to work my way back to Philly Comcast Sportsnet, um, and uh, and then ultimately the Phillies broadcast team. So, you know, each step of the way, I got uh, I got lucky. I was blessed. I, I feel like I was in the right place at the right time sometimes. But um, you know, who am I to question why? I'm just thrilled that it ended up the way it did. And uh, now I'm back with the Phillies as a part of the Phillies organization after 20 years with NBC, and um, I couldn't be happier. So uh, just just thrilled to be a part of this organization in this sports town um you know i was a sports fan here in town first and now i get to to kind of be still be a sports fan in this town but but also be a part of the the landscape as well so it's it's awesome uh absolutely for sure uh so you said uh commentating at saint joe's really brought you into it how, how did all that start and how did all that really yeah. come to- i mean honestly <laughs> it's a it's a funny story because I arrived at St. Joe's as a freshman. I met a guy um, in my dorm, and Rich Tobin is still one of my closest friends to this day. And uh, he, it was a big music guy, and still is. He sends me, you know, cuts of bands I've never heard of every single day of my life. And uh, he said he wanted to be a DJ, and that the radio station at St. Joe's was just starting up. It was the first year that they were going to have a radio station. And he wanted to go to the meeting. It was probably in October of our freshman year. And uh, he, he asked me to come with him. And I was like, okay. So I, I went with him. And we were in this room of about 30 people. And the guy who was running the, the, the station um, was up front. And, and uh, the room was filled with, a, with like, music heads, you know. And I'm, I like music, but I'm not, uh, you know, a super music guy. And um, so the guy up front is, you know, kind of, doling out jobs and DJ spots and everything. And he says, well, we need somebody to call the men's and women's basketball team uh, games. And the room was silent. No one, no one wanted to do it. So I, I looked at Rich and I said, come on, man, let's do that. And, Cause he's a big sports fan too. And uh, he's like, all right. So, so we raised our hands and the guy's like, all right, you got it. And next thing I know, within two weeks, we were calling St. Joe's Drexel at the plus room. My very first game I ever called play by play. And, uh, and I fell in love with it, and from there, it just uh, it just took off. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> excuse, excuse me. Um, I know me going back to school as a communication studies major. Mm-hmm. I can definitely understand the whole broadcast stuff. I've always wanted to get into sports broadcast, so that's something that uh, has always interested me. So I think that's kind of where 
obviously we're big Phillies fans as well. Um, and being down here in North Carolina now, I'm, I'm thoroughly in Braves country. So yes, trying to deal with both of those um, has been something. I've heard a lot after the World Series, especially. But that's okay. I can always say, oh, wait. So, um, yeah, speaking of the far Phillies, away. Uh, Murph. Yeah. Yeah, right. That, Thoughts yeah, on on the Phillies? Oh, sorry. Yeah. 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 Thoughts on the you Phillies know, so far this year? It's been, uh, you know, I think at this stage of the season, I would say the Phillies have, have gotten past the point of disappointment uh, that we were feeling early. And we've gotten to the point of, <clears throat> excuse me, um, of kind of trading water at, at this point. I mean, I think we're in a good spot, but there's a lot of work to be done. And, uh, and that's where they are right now. And obviously the injury to Bryce Harper is going to be a huge hurdle to overcome. But, uh, you know, early this season, they dug themselves such a big hole. And they've been able to dig out of that hole. But, they're, you know, they need to climb the mountain a little bit too. You know, only a couple games over 500 as we uh, record this. So, um, you know, they have some work to do. I think they can do it. I, I'm still pretty confident that they're a postseason team, um, even without Bryce Harper. Um, but, uh, but, you know, again, things are going to have to go right. They're going to have to play good baseball uh, against good teams, um, against the Braves. You know, Cardinals are coming up. Uh, they're going to have to play better against the Mets, those kinds of things. Uh, but if they can do that, then I think they're going to be in the mix at the end. I guess just to go off of that, Bryce Harper – who do you think is the person or, you know, group of people that need to or will step up in his absence? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's the obvious guys. It's Nick Castellanos. It's Reese Hoskins. It's Kyle Schwarber. Um, JT Romito. You know, this is a if – you, if you step back and look at this lineup and then look at the back of the baseball cards and the guys in this lineup, this is a really good offensive team, even without Bryce Harper. Uh, obviously, he makes it better. He makes it longer. He makes it stronger. Um However, it's not to say that this team shouldn't be averaging three, four, five runs a game uh, with, with outbreaks. And that's what they're going to have to do. Uh, Nick has had perhaps his poorest first half of his career, um, but he's one of the better hitters in baseball and always has been since he's, since he's arrived in Major League Baseball. So I don't think there's any reason to think that Nick is not going to figure it out. Um, JT, you know, the catcher position is such a difficult job uh, and so physical. Um, but I do think he'll, he'll improve. You know, he might not bounce all the way back to the level that we saw a couple of years ago. But, uh, but I think he'll be uh, better than he was in the first half. And then guys like Reese, we, we know, are just streaky. Um, Kyle is streaky. So they just need to get hot together and, and, and carry this team for a couple of weeks. If they do that, we saw what happens at the beginning of June. You can gain a lot of ground if, uh, if a couple of guys get hot. No, absolutely. I agree. Before, when everything with free agency happened with Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber signing, and I I looked at the lineup top to down and I thought, what is Dombrowski doing? Because you know what I mean? You you look at the team and, and here's how I thought of it. You have a leaky roof. Okay. What do you do? Do you fix the roof or do you put more buckets down? I feel like that's what Dombrowski did, put more buckets down rather than getting a different bull – well, getting more pieces to the bullpen. But, listen, I like Sir Anthony a lot. Corey Kniebel's starting to command his pitches a little bit better. Brad Hand has had a good season. So, so far, I think after everything that happened with Girardi and losing streak and how many games under 500 they were, they're starting to smooth out and the, the bats are starting to crack a little bit. 
And the pitching, Nola Wheeler, they're they're starting to pitch very well. Even e- Eflin uh, is starting to put on some some nice performances. Yeah, I, I, and look, I, I don't think we talked about the starting pitching on this team enough. Um, I think the the five guys that the Phillies roll out uh, every day are probably, if if you stopped and, and and kind of broke it down, they're probably a top five, six, seven rotation in baseball. Um, <clears throat> that's pretty impressive. And, and they pitch that way. I mean, the guys, the two guys at the top are all-star caliber kind of pitchers in Wheeler and Nola. Uh, you, you mentioned Zach. As long as he's healthy, um, he's effective, and we've seen that. And then Rangers starting to figure it out. His last, two of his last three starts have been outstanding. And Kyle Gibson, I mean, he just gives you a chance to win every night. So, um, and then you mentioned the bullpen. You know, these guys over the last, what, two weeks have – pitched the equivalent of a perfect game plus. I mean, they didn't let up a run for 34 – or, excuse me, they didn't let up a base runner for 34 straight batters. Uh, that's unbelievable. That's unheard of. So, you know, I think this bullpen, albeit it struggled early, um, has started to figure things out. You know, you didn't mention Connor Brogdon. He's been outstanding as well, um, he, you know, in the, in the back end, in the high leverage spots. Um, and uh, you're right. I think uh, hopefully Corey's starting to figure things out. And if they do, I mean, Jose Alvarado, since he's been back, has been outstanding. Um, he's a guy that has two different fastballs at over 100 miles an hour. If he's throwing them for strikes, I mean, he's unhittable. So they have the pieces back there in the bullpen as long as they're not issuing walks, which is what the huge problem was early on in the season. Um, but they've been so much better of late. We should mention Andrew Bellotti, too, because he's starting to come into his own. So, um, you know, believe me when I tell you, this front office is, is looking right now for pieces to improve this team as they come into July and August. There's no doubt about it. And uh, they're going to get some extra pieces, and they're going to get Gene Segura back, and they're going to get Bryce Harper back at some point. And, uh, you know, as long as they can stay in the mix, I think good things can happen at the end of the year. I really do. Yeah, and that's what I know, you know, Devin and I have talked about as well, just even off the podcast, just hanging out, whatever it may be. I think – the thing that really stood out to me, obviously, of course, it's going to hurt not having Bryce. We've all talked about that. Everybody in baseball knows that. Um, people don't really talk about the fact that Gene hasn't been there either. So, you know, Gene Segura being the focal point of this team, when you get Bryce and Gene back, it's almost kind of like, you know, two additions, deadline additions without giving anything up for them. So I look at that as a very big win if they can stay afloat. And like you said, I think Dombrowski will still make a move or two here and there to bolster the team and then adding those two veterans back into the lineup. I think it's, it's, it's obviously very much a dangerous team pitching and, and hitting as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Looking around. I, the National I League, yeah. Looking around the national league. I think at least as of now, unless there's a late season collapse, I think the NL East, at least for now, looks like it's going to be the Mets. It, it still could go anyway. Obviously it's a long season as well. That's going to Matt. I hope. Uh-huh. Well, um, we hope. Oh Yeah. Um, what do you think realistically the Phillies, is it more of a wild card shot? And then who do you think will be the biggest contenders? I know San Diego, you were just out there. Tatis has been, you know, he hasn't played yet this season. Machado has been on the injured list a little while now. Do you think that they are still going to hang around? Obviously it's still a very good team. And who do you think is going to be the biggest uh, contender to the Phillies, whether it be the wild card or the division? Yeah. So I I think it's going to be the Braves. Um, You know, I think the Braves and the Phillies, they're going to be kind of battling it out for that second spot in the NL East. Um, and I think 
Yeah, St. Louis, Milwaukee, you know, one of them will win the division. One of them will be in the wild card mix. And then San Diego as well. All good teams. Um, but it just it's just one of those things. That's that's who the Phillies will have to play well against because they're going to get those opportunities. Um, and when you're going head-to-head against the teams you're chasing, you know, you have to make pay. That's the way you get into the postseason for sure. So, obviously, you travel with the team a lot. You don't have to give us your specific number one place, but just – just some stadiums and some some cities and some environments that you just like going to see. Yeah, I get asked that question a, a lot, and uh, so I've I've given it a lot of thought. Um, for me, uh, probably the best ballpark slash atmosphere slash city that I enjoy visiting is San Francisco. They always have great crowds out there. It's a gorgeous ballpark. Um, I love San Francisco as a city, beautiful city. Um, so so that's near the top. San Diego is. Um, always perfect weather, and it's a cool ballpark as well. And they, they've been really drawing well, so so the atmosphere is, is good there. Um, in the Midwest, uh, obviously, Wrigley speaks for itself. Chicago is is a great city in the summer, not so much in the winter. I don't enjoy spending a whole lot of time there in the winter, but in the summer, it's a great city to be in. And then you know, I, you know, Boston and uh, New York for me. I love I love the big cities. Um, Pittsburgh is a gorgeous ballpark. Yeah. Um, really fun city to visit. Um, for, I, I enjoy traveling. I enjoy seeing different sites in these cities and, and checking out the different restaurants and the, um, and you know. So we have a little free time when we're when we're traveling with the team. So I always try to make the most of it. So um, if you if you like to travel and and you're willing to um, you know get up early and go do the sightseeing and that kind of stuff, it's it's fun. It, it's a great way to see our country and um, and it's a great way to, to visit all these different ballparks and. You know, the ballparks just keep getting better and better. We just visited Texas's new ballpark. It's unbelievable. It's it's massive, um, first and foremost. But uh, they really did a nice job inside with uh, kind of keeping it uh, intimate as a ballpark, uh, even though from the outside it looks like an airport hangar. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's just really cool to see what the, what the different cities have to offer. Absolutely. Yeah, we had to ask that question. We um, Our top ten list a couple of weeks ago we did. Uh, our top 10 favorite ballparks and i've, I've been okay. to a few i've i've only been to eight so far um but I've, I've been to a few of those that you mentioned i've been meaning to get out to the west coast of san diego and san fran they're the two that yeah. i really want to get to and, and, um, and guess what dodger standing right there in between them yeah. is spectacular too it really is so the three out there on the west well and i probably wouldn't put angels ballpark in in the mix but the, the two the three out there that we mentioned they're they're amongst the three best for sure okay yeah absolutely so we, speaking of top 10 list, we are lucky enough that Murph has agreed to do a top 10 list with us, give us some of his expertise. We have this week the top 10 starting pitchers in baseball. Murph, Hard. is there anybody who maybe just missed your list that um, that didn't oh. just quite crack the top 10? Yeah, for sure. I mean, probably about 10 guys. I think I feel like I'm, <laughs> I left off so many guys. I mean, the one I'll mention is Aaron Nola. I, I thought for sure Aaron was going to come in right at the back end of the top 10. And uh, he did not make my list, um, <clears throat> although I think he, he's deserved it this year. I really tried to concentrate on this season, not career, not sure. anything, just the way they're pitching right now. Um, and I thought for sure Aaron would be on the list. He's not. So, uh, yeah, he's the one that just missed. Awesome. All right. Uh, DeShorts, who do you have? So, for my honorable mentions, I have Sandy Alcantara, all-star, Ooh. having a phenomenal season right now. Kevin Gossman of the Toronto Blue Jays also having a phenomenal season right now. A lot of people forget about this one. Julio Urias 
from the Dodgers, has a sub two and a half ERA. And then Joe Musgrove, who's been having a phenomenal season. Right before facing the Phillies, he had an under two ERA. The the command of the slider has been absolutely phenomenal so far. And he just he, he was the one that just missed out of my top ten, Joe Musgrove. That's really interesting for me because uh, you named three guys that are in my top five um, that, that, yeah. that are just missed your top ten. That just goes to show you how hard this is to put together, right? And that's I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do the list with you because I think there's so many different ways you can do this list, yes. and I, I love that. That's just how deep baseball is right now. Absolutely. Yeah, agreed. Um, honorable mentions, I also just barely had Aaron Nolan missing my list. Um, I had Shane McClanahan of the Rays. He's having an incredible season so far. I did a little bit. Um, I, I based a lot off of this season, but I also I was a little biased in the sense that I did look kind of longevity of careers, but I, I tried to look at this season as well. Um, Alex Manoa of the Blue Jays, I think, has been spectacular the last uh, so long. And uh, I also have Julio uh, Urias from, from the Dodgers as well. Murph, being our guest, I guess we can all just rotate. I'll let you start with your number 10, though. Okay, number 10 for me is uh, Justin Verlander, which is unbelievable because, you know, you talk about a guy who's had a, you know, first ballot Hall of Fame career. It's Justin Verlander, but he just continues to do it. You look at his numbers across the board right now, and they're just outstanding. And he he defies father time. Um, He just continues to do it. And, um, you know, if if I have to hand the baseball to someone at a big game, I'll hand it to Justin Verlander, no problem. So he's uh, number 10 on my list. My number 10, probably leading the AL Cy Young right now. He needs some help. Shane McClanahan. Shane McClanahan, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't, I wasn't super huge in the baseball for a little while. Obviously, over these past few years, I'm, I'm starting to learn a lot. I didn't know who Shane McClanahan was until last season. I don't know if that's a bad thing, if it's a good thing. I, I knew they had Tyler Glasnow. I knew they had that phenomenal bullpen. And I knew the Raves had a super deep team. I never knew about this guy. But, you know, he has an under two ERA. He's absolutely destroying people on the mound. And really, his only problem is he has no help. That Rays team has zero help right now other than Shane McClanahan. Please give Shane some help. Shane's my number 10. Uh, At number 10, I have one of Declan's honorable mentions, Sandy Alcantara. I think he very well could be higher than 10, and by the end of the season, he might be. He's actually, I think, my favorite either for Cy Young or I guess if you want to say both that and the NL starting nod for the All-Star game. Um, I think what he's done with the Marlins – and in, in a loaded NL East, not just teams, but pitching as well, um, I think – and he's only, I think, 25, 26. He's got such a bright future ahead of him, which is good for baseball, scary for the Phillies. Um, Sandy Alcantara at number 10 on my list. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, all right, so number nine for me is uh, Miles Michaelis from uh, St. Louis. Uh, again, if you just look at this season – and he's been good over the last couple of years, but if you just look at this season – uh, he has been really dominant for a very good Cardinals team. Um, he's right up there in the ERA. He's right up there in whip. He's right up there in strikeouts. Um, and he's a guy that uh, flirted with a no-hitter twice this year already. So uh, he's been really good. So I'm putting him at number nine. My number nine is the Braves ace, I guess you can call him, Max Freed. Max Freed is overlooked. I actually overlooked him on my list, and I saw him, and I went, wow, he's got he's to be put on the list. His only problem, if I were had to guess, is his his K per nine, which he did have nine strikeouts in his last outing. His strikeouts are a little bit low, but it just like just like all these guys, he just dominates on the mound. There's not a whole lot to say about this guy. He has a sub two and a half ERA, and he has for a few years now. Obviously, he he went through that injury. What was it, Achilles tear or ACL? Mm-hmm. 
Achilles, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he came back from that, and he and he's still pitching phenomenally. Usually after an ACL tear, maybe it's different when you're a pitcher, but co- coming off an ACL tear, you usually don't you, you don't play the same for the first year, second year, maybe even third. But Max Reed has came back, and he's 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 playing very well right now. All right, my number nine, I have Philadelphia's own Zach Wheeler. I think Wheeler and Nola, I almost took the cop out and just put them at nine and nine a. Uh, I think either one of them can be a top 10 pitcher on any given day. Uh, I just think Zach has been a little more consistent in his career and, you know, second in the Cy Young last year and having another stellar season this year. Zach Wheeler, I'd be completely fine with either him or Nola taking the ball if if you had to get a win, maybe in game 162, in a playoff, whatever it may be. Uh, but I think as of right now, something about Zach Wheeler, uh, I just I would love to see him in a deciding uh game to to send your team to the next round or win a whole thing so zach wheeler would be number nine on my list all right for me number eight is uh is max priest and uh, for all the reasons that declan just said um he, he is a guy that i think that people forget about and he is such a big part of that atlanta braves team um you know he's a warrior you talk about a guy that's battled injuries over the course of his career uh and just every time just comes back and continues the deal so i've got max Fried at number eight yeah, number eight. I was the guy. I did it. Aaron Nola's my number eight. <laughs> so it feels like every other year, he's a Cy Young one year, and then he's mediocre the next. This year is a Cy Young year, and listen, I'm here for it. He makes the list when he when he plays like a Cy Young. Aaron Nola, the big thing for me is how how good his fastball looks, and his his changeup. You know his change, You know what his changeup does. His changeup yeah. does what it needs to do. But his fastball this year, it, it it really it astounds me how 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 good of a command he has on it right now. Obviously, Aaron Nola, he was second in strikeouts for a little bit. I think he's plummet a little bit ever since, but he's still been pitching well. Uh, like all these other guys, sub two and a half ERA, maybe sub two ERA, probably not sub two ERA. I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but he's. Like all these guys, he, he just he, he dominates on the mound. He doesn't walk so many guys. And his only problem, and I know me and James have talked about it, there's there's an inning, it's the third, fourth, or fifth inning where he gives up a little too many hits and he gives himself in a little bit of a jam. This year, he hasn't done that. Yeah, so, and that, he, he would pitch fine. So I have Aaron Nola at number eight. Number eight, I agree with Murph, Max Freed. Um Somebody that it's funny when you look at the Braves, obviously not Freddie Freeman anymore, but when you look at the Braves, you think of Freddie Freeman and Ozzy Albies, obviously Ronald Acuna Jr. and that offense. Their starting pitching is loaded, and I think Max Freed is the best of those bunch. Learned a lot with Charlie Morton now as well. Um, they've just had some great teachers in that organization, obviously, to have all these good young pitchers. Um, Max Freed, number eight on my list, and I think it's just going to only keep going up as he as he progresses in his career. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, number seven for me is uh, Nestor Cortez. Uh, he's kind of tailed off a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but my goodness, he was just <laughs> absolutely dominant in the first part of the season for the Yanks. So, uh, I mean, he's obviously that's a pretty good Yankees team. He gets a lot of support, but, man, he's been filthy. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Nestor Cortez, number seven for me. My number seven, another Philly. I have Zach Wheeler. The only reason that Zach Wheeler is above Aaron Nola here is how consistent Zach Wheeler is and how good he was last season and how he's still pitching phenomenally this season. Obviously, last season, he we talked about maybe he should have been the Cy Young, maybe he shouldn't have. I'm not really too salty about it. It is what it is. Zach Wheeler, high velocity, and he really he, he strikes the guys out. 
Uh, I think he has around a three ERA right now. Obviously, he's, he, in my opinion, Aaron Ola's the one, he's the two. But just how, how consistent Zach Wheeler is. And me and Jacob talked about it last night. It kind of blows our mind how people would say, oh, Zach Wheeler came out of nowhere. Which he didn't. He got a hefty contract from the Phillies coming in. He played well with them. Obviously, he may have gotten overlooked by and and stuff. But Zach, Zach Wheeler has really had a, a nice two, three years in, in his best in his past career. So, yeah, Zach Wheeler, number seven. My number seven, I have from the Cleveland Guardians, Shane Beaver. Uh, he is absolutely filthy. Um, I think going to be a perennial Cy Young candidate for quite a while. Uh, talk about, you know, I think between Atlanta and obviously Tampa Bay, but but Cleveland, uh, I feel like it's almost kind of like maybe like Washington with football with they call them DBU. Um, what they do just continuously producing pitchers. I mean, you go back to CC Sabathia and Cliff Lee all the way through to, you know, Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco, um, even though Carrasco was with the Phillies first, obviously. But um, what they can do just with all these pitchers, uh, I think I have Bieber at number seven. Uh, you know why he's one that I miss for sure. Um, all right, number six for me is Zach Wheeler. And again, um, <clears throat> not to repeat everything that we just said, but uh, he's just so consistent, so consistently good, rarely blows up, uh, gives you a chance to win every single time he steps on the mound. And, uh, and he didn't like go six, seven, eight innings every time he takes the baseball. So Zach Wheeler, one of the best in baseball, is number six for me. My number six. I believe he's injured. We don't talk about him a whole lot. But Walker Bueller, uh, he's he's my favorite starting pitcher on the Dodgers right now, and I think he's the best. And he's still young. Playing with Clayton Kershaw obviously helped him out a lot. Walker Bueller, and another guy, just has great command of his pitches. His fastball is absolutely beautiful. It, he's he, yeah, he's just another guy that has a great command of his pitchers of his pitches. I'm not I think he's injured. He had something with his he he had to get surgery, bolts coming out or something. It's really gross. Hope hope for a speedy recovery, but Walker Bueller my number six. Yeah, as I look into my top six, top five, I think I'm more so biased where Murph probably did the right thing with looking at this year. I couldn't help but dabble into some of maybe the 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 past as well. Not too far in the past, but um I have Garrett Cole at number six. When he's on, I think he may be, in my opinion, the best or second best pitcher in all of baseball. Um, it's just sometimes he's just not on out of nowhere. And um, whether people want to say that's, you know, using illegal things, whatever they may be, uh, Garrett Cole is just nasty. Even go back to his days in Pittsburgh, obviously to Houston and now with the Yankees. Uh, Garrett Cole, somebody very intimidating on the mound. Uh, every fifth day, you know, you're going to get a good start with Garrett Cole. He's my number six. All right. Uh, number five for me is Joe Musgrove, a guy that we just saw out there in San Diego. I mean, anytime you come into a game in June and your ERA is under two, um, you know you're pitching well. I mean, I, he actually could be higher on my list. Uh, the Phillies were able to get to him uh, for the first time this season. He gave up more than two runs in a game. Um, he gave up six to the Phillies. But he has been just outstanding uh, for San Diego. And uh, I think he deserves to be in the top five. So he's number five for me. For number five, it's it's Mad Max for me. Uh, just, just another guy. He 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 he's aging. He's aging like fine wine right now. Obviously, he's down with. Is it the Rumble Ponies he's with? Um, he's he's been making his way back up. I know. Yeah, yeah. He, he, Rumble yeah, Ponies he did, would be cool though. He just <laughs> had to start in the Double A. Uh, he had it maybe last night. He started with the Double A. He pitched around seven innings. You know, he did his thing. 
but you know, obviously coming off the injury, and I saw you saw the stats, or I saw the stats. Ever since Max Scherzer was gone, their ERA has increased from two and a half to I believe it was like four point seven five. So obviously this guy has a big impact on the team. And he openly said in an interview, I don't want to play. I don't want to play in this double-A team. Get me out of here. I, I, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm, I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to play. And that's just how much of a dog he is. Max Scherzer, I love Max Scherzer, number five. Uh, maybe not as good of a season so far this year. My number five, I have Corbin Burns, the reigning Cy Young Award winner from the Brewers. Um, the Brewers has got some, some arms over there, you know, between Burns and Woodruff and Peralta, even Eric Lauer. Um, they consistently will throw somebody really good at you. Uh, Corbin Burns, the best of, you know, some of the best in all of baseball uh, with his stuff. Very deserving winner. I think him or Wheeler very well could have uh, could have won that award last year, as well as Scherzer, obviously. But uh, I think those were definitely the top two pitchers in the National League. And I think it's just only a matter of time until he really gets in a groove and uh, writes the ship for his season, even though he's still having a good season. It's just not quite yeah, as good as last year. Probably top five in NL Cy Young voting right now. And that's, but it's, I feel like that's yeah. a little bit of a step off from last year. And that's how good he was last year. Oh, yeah, he was phenomenal last yeah, year. Yeah, so that's why I still have him at number five on my list. Yeah, he deserves to be up there for sure. All right, number four for me is uh, Sandy Alcantara of, of Miami. Yeah. So you guys uh, had just, uh, one, of, one of you guys had just had him off the list as an honorable mention. Um, we see him a lot, obviously. And when I tell you that our hitters, do not enjoy facing Sandy Alcantara. Um, I'm not sure any players enjoy facing Sandy Alcantara. Uh, he is just – he's another guy that no one talks about because he's playing down there in Miami. But he has just been outstanding since he stepped on the major league field mm-hmm. right from the very beginning, and he continues that this year. Um, he's underrated. He's under the radar. He's he's the anchor of that Miami staff, and that Miami staff is pretty darn good. So oh, yeah. uh, I put Sandy Alcantara at number four for me. Uh, talk about recency bias. You think Jacobs is bad? I have Garrett Cole at number four. <laughs> not not to go off what he said, but you know Garrett Cole is very good when he's on. He's one of he's top two pitcher in the LOB. When he's off, he's off. Maybe Josh Donaldson's in his head behind him, <laughs> corner of his eye and his right eye. He just knows he's staring at him. He's with none of that sticky stuff. Yeah, maybe maybe Donaldson's in his head, but another guy that could just he puts the ball where he wants to. And he, he, he can strike out these guys. And he's consistently a Cy Young candidate when he's on. And he's consistently an all-star when he's on. But, you know, for the Yankees, you got this Severino, Nestor Cortez have stepped up over his spot this year. And that's really good for the Yankees. The Yankees don't know how to lose a game. But really, it, it blows my mind. I, I have Garrett Cole at number four. Uh, my number four, I have uh, aging like fine wine, like we said, Justin Verlander. I think for me, it's just so incredible. As he's gotten older, it almost feels like he's gotten better. Like Murph said, first bout Hall of Famer. But to come back from the injury the way he has this year, it's just outstanding to me. I think right now, in my opinion, for all the good pitchers, I just almost honorarily give him, even though he still deserves it, the AL starting nod. Um, just to, you know, kudos to him to get back to the level he is. Really, truly taking the Astros on his back at times and uh, moving that team every fifth day. Uh, Justin Verlander, great story, number four on my list. All right, number three, uh, Corbin Burns. So, uh, again, you know, I'm, I've been really trying to hone in just on on what they've been able to do this season. And, and Burns, uh, obviously outstanding last year and, and really just maybe a tick below this year so far. It's not to say that he's not going to turn it back on, but uh, yeah. he's been so good for the Brewers. I mean, 
he just every time he gets the baseball, he's seven and two thirds, seven innings, six and two thirds. Um, he's allowing you know at the most two runs, two earned runs. Uh, he keeps his team in it constantly. He's an ERA of two point five one. Doesn't walk guys. He, he's a dominant guy, and uh, he's a he's a stud on a very good uh, pitching staff. So I got Corbin Burns at number three. Absolutely, my number three. Justin Verlander, uh, like you all said, ages like five line, coming off of that Tommy John surgery. And he's top three in AL Cy Young voting right now. Shane McClanahan, Shane McClanahan him. Uh, I can't think of anybody on top. Kevin Gossman, maybe. I can't think of anybody on top of my head. But, yeah, he's just – he's he's another guy. He just he, he dominates on the mound. And, yeah, like we said, it's, it's so cool to see after him coming back from the injury, p- pitching better than he did before. So, you know, I, I have Justin Ver- Verlander, number three. My number three, even though he is injured, and I think that's kind of where I – my top three, it's – I probably should have different people just for this year. But uh, Walker Bueller, I think personally, I know for as good as, you know, DeGrom has been, I, I think very well right on his uh, on his backside for best pitcher in all of baseball. And quite possibly, I think, you know, when, when they go, it's, it's his league, in my opinion. Uh, the Dodgers got it right with him. Great, great drafting team for all the money they spend. Uh, they at least put it in right ways and they know how to develop people. Walker Bueller has turned into just an incredible pitcher, uh, really likable guy. And uh, I have him at number three on my list. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I should just mention that obviously DeGrom and Scherzer and uh, Walker Bueller and even Derek Cole, guys that have been a little banged up, aren't on my list. Uh, but that's because they really just haven't done anything this season. Uh, of course. But certainly those four arms. Um, I have nothing but uh, respect for, for those guys and what they've done in their career. So, um, all right, number two for me is uh, Shane McClanahan of the Rays. We already talked about him briefly, but uh, he's in the top three in ERA, top three in batting average against, top three in whip, uh, which are three stats that uh, um, I think are incredibly important for a pitcher, uh, you know, keeping guys off bases. Uh, keeping them, you know, from sw- you know, from getting base hits, but also keeping them off from walks, um, going deep into games, and obviously earned runs. So, um, if you look at the the most important stats, uh, Shane McClanahan is having a monster season. So he's number two for me. My number two, uh, a guy that can get you seven, six, seven, eight innings easy. Last year's NL Cy Young, Corbin Burns. I have a number two, and. This is the opposite of the problem for the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee, Milwaukee Brewers can't get a bat. You uh, you see reports, obviously. I know we're talking about pitchers, but I'm going to in there. You see reports like uh, Washington Nationals making a deal with Milwaukee Brewers, Nelson Cruz, Josh Bell. They need a bat desperately. Corbin Burns, absolute uh, beast on the mound. I believe he lives, leads the NL in strikeouts. I could be wrong, though. He's been he – has, he's had a little few shaky starts this year. Uh, so has Brendan Woodruff, obviously, but, but, um, you know, other than that, this guy, this guy has been great all season and I, he's, he's top five and then I'll Cy Young and I think he'll be an all-star this year. Uh, Corbin Burns, number two. Number two, I do have Max Scherzer. Um, like I keep saying, I know maybe he hasn't done it this year in a sense, but, um, I just couldn't, uh, to see, I think for me to see what he's done, you know, with the Tigers, you know, and then just moving all around the different teams. Um, it, it's just remarkable to me. I feel like, like we said, he gets better with age. And uh, Mad Max, they call him, you know, uh, 
ready to roll all the time, always wants the ball. He'll take it on two days rest, three days rest in any given moment, whatever you need him. Um, excited to see him come back, even if it is with the Mets, obviously. Um, but just a joy to watch pitch uh, every fifth day, Max, uh, Max Scherzer. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I have a tradition every year for the last, I guess, decade or so. I come into the season, and the first thing I say to everybody is, this is the year that Max Scherzer stinks. And then every year at the end of the season, <laughs> I say, okay, maybe it's next year that Max Scherzer stinks because he is just – absolutely amazing um with the way he continues to do it um you know bills have gotten a little bit of a break with him out for for the time being but he'll be back and uh, he's going to make a difference for the Mets. all right number one for me this season as we sit here and do this right now um he's the guy that leads the top three categories that that i kind of looked at when i was putting my list together he leads in era he leads in batting average against and he leads in whip um, right now. And he's a guy that nobody talks about. Nobody talks about on a team that is filled with superstars and it's Tony Gonsolin. Yes. He, he, he's just been, he's just been unbelievable this year. And uh, at, if, if the season ended today, I would think he's the Cy Young award winner or certainly top two. Um, I agree. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about Tony Gonsolin before this season. I, I still don't know a whole lot about him. All I know <laughs> is he's pretty darn good. And if you look at the numbers and what he's been able to do, um, I've got him number one right now. I mean, that could change by the end of the season, but at this moment, he's number one on my list. Yeah. Yeah, my number one, it's Jacob DeGrom. Uh, he's he's the best pitcher in baseball. His only problem is when he can pitch. Yeah. That Like, that's that's his only that's his only negative thing is the man can't pitch because the man can't stay healthy. Obviously, you know, when he's when he's on the mound, he's, he's a side young candidate every year. Every every year, and really, the only thing that holds him back every year is his health. His health, his health. This is one. This is one and only problem, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. The ground with one, but I also am kind of like I. The more I think about it, the more I second guess it. When he's healthy, he's obviously the best pitcher in baseball. But the more you look, you know, it it really is a shame to see because he's a super uber talented player, but he just can't stay healthy, and um, it, it's tough, you know. You had all these guys too with the Mets. It's like, oh well, at least Degrom was staying healthy when Matt Harvey got hurt and Syndergaard got hurt, and now you know it's like, it it, it really is a shame to me because even though he is on the New York Mets, a team that we don't want to see be number one, if because you know Philly stands, but he's just such a talent that it, it's it's almost like a generational talent when he takes the mound. So I'd love to see him come back, and uh, I hope to see him recover. I, I hate to be that guy. He's getting not old, but getting up there a little bit. The more injured he gets, I, I hope he doesn't start contemplating retirement. Something I was in in my head about. Like I, I'd love to see him pitch again. I don't want him to not come back. Um, so I hope he can make it back. Um, Degrom, I think kind of like an honorary number one. Uh, but if you're looking at this season, I think yeah, you have to go McClanahan or or uh, Tony Gonsolin. Nobody talks about too on the Dodgers team. Um, yeah, I think that's. Um, that's my number one, uh, more so, like I said, for, for a full track record. But, yeah, uh, my number one, Jacob DeGrom. That was a blast. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it, but you know what? You have a good argument, though, with, you know, this season he hasn't pitched, so it's hard to put him at number one. So that was kind of like a something I was we, – we've talked, to you know, about top ten overall players and this and that, and DeGrom's always in that list. But the more he doesn't play, the more you got to wonder, you know, slide him down until you see him <laughs> play again, you know. So, um Getting to talk baseball, though, with you, Murph, really has been a blast. Um, again, 
you guys hopefully won't hear too much. We have some technical difficulties we're going to edit out. Uh, Murph was a warrior, a trooper, stuck with us, um, was uh, gracious enough to give him, uh, give us his time. Um, and we are super, you know, to speak on Declan's behalf, super, super grateful for that. But before before you go, Murph, we have to give you a little shout out. Um, if you want to say anything about uh, Love Stories with Murph, your podcast. Oh, well, that, that's great. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, weekly podcast where I interview uh, former players and former uh, folks inside the organization for the Phils that uh, just have great baseball stories to tell, uh, stories that maybe you haven't heard before. Um, and we call it Glove Stories with Murph. And, and uh, I'm actually going to be taping an episode coming up in just about an hour. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, we're having uh, a guy that many people probably don't know uh, his name. His name is Larry Shank, and he's the longtime uh, 40 plus years PR director for the Phillies. And you talk about a guy that's got some stories. Uh, Larry Shank has some stories. So we're going to be uh, talking to him. It's going to be a lot of fun and uh, a lot of great uh, glove stories that Larry's going to bring to the table. So, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, you can get it wherever you get your podcast. Of course. I had to give you a shout out on that. Um, Murph, if you wouldn't mind, um, we'll be, uh, we'll be hit, uh, posting on all our social medias. I hope you don't mind uh, tagging you in anything that we post. Um, Absolutely. It'll all be, it'll all be good. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> again, I know, Declan, if you want to say anything before Murph goes, um th- thanks for coming on of course it's it's been a pleasure having you i i think we 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 did a, a good job uh of course bryce harper speedy recovery breaking news he'll be out approximately six weeks yes okay. have surgery uh they're That's saying he should be back by the end of august beginning of september good yeah so well, it's time to step it up boys yeah, oh yeah for sure yeah well right. guys well, really enjoyed it yeah it was good to talk to both of you and uh uh, continued success with with your podcast and and continued success talking some baseball. It's uh, the best sport on the planet in my mind, and uh, it's a lot of fun to to be a part of. So, absolutely, thank you again, Murph. We really appreciate your time, brother. You got it. Take care, guys. All right. That was All right. awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, we can. We're still on the pod. It's okay. That was awesome. <laughs> Such a cool guy to talk baseball about. That was dope, man. Um, great way to spend our Tuesday morning waking up a little earlier than we might normally have. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. All right. Well, like Murph said, you guys can catch his podcast, Love Stories with Murph, uh, all over. Uh, I know great stories. They had an episode about Darren Dalton, um, you know, longtime Phillies. Uh, unfortunately, rest in peace, Darren, you know, not with us anymore, but uh, Phillies legend himself, Dutch. Before we go, DeShorts, any final thoughts about um, this pretty awesome episode? <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, I'm excited. I hope I hope we can have him back. Uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe the playoff push. He's a busy man. We we've been trying to get him for a while, and uh, lucky enough, I I was so worried when we we lost him a couple times to technical difficulties. I was like, yeah. God, please come back. But he, he's just such a nice guy, just an A plus guy. Mm-hmm. Um, just a man's man. No, <laughs> um, very very thankful to have Murph. Uh, thankful for another episode of the North South Podcast, guys. Check us out on. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all that good stuff. Uh, we'll be giving a shout out to Murph. Send this to everybody because I hope you think it was a good as, uh, as good of an interview as we do. Um, a great time for sure. Also, I guess real quick, Declan, if you want to ramble, I'm going to pull up on this day in sports and we're just, I'm not prepared. I was so excited for Murph. So things to ramble on about the suspensions given this week. Uh, oh, that's well, a good one. Good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe only three Mariners players were suspended, and like ten Angels 
players. I think there was like eight people. In, I think eight people in total or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Jesse Winker suspended seven games. Yeah. J.P. Crawford suspended five. Julio Rodriguez suspended two. And then so many uh, other suspensions across the board. Rice Alaglacius, uh Joey Joey Wentz, I think his name is. His last name's Wants or Wentz. I know Phil Nevin got like ten games. Yeah, Phil Phil Nevin got a hefty, hefty little suspension. Uh, it, it, and it kind of shocked me just how many suspensions the uh, the Angels the Angels got. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Rice Alaglacius obviously throwing his uh, his sunflower seeds onto the field. Got him. I believe it was a two game suspension. Yeah. So I'm. It's not. I still don't even know what happened to cause it. It was a few things. Like I said, uh, Jared Walsh got thrown at. Um, Trout got thrown at. Upton had gotten thrown at earlier in the. It's yeah. It's just one of those. They played eight times in eleven days. They yeah, said as, as much as we love to see it, it's not good for baseball. No, it's it's fun in the moment, but like it's it's really bad for baseball. Yeah, we don't want to see Julio Rodriguez, JP Crawford, Jesse Winker missing time. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't we don't want to see these guys missing time because of a, a stupid fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Well, let's real quick roll into some stuff. Hang with me, guys. I'm scrolling as we speak. Uh, we're gonna go back to 99 years ago on this one. Uh, <laughs> the right. Dodgers up seven nothing against the Phillies, lose a seven nothing lead as the Phillies score eight runs in the bottom of the ninth inning to win the game. Go Phils! Uh, we had Murph on, so that's only fair. Uh, in 1939, Big Joe Lewis, if you know Joe Lewis Arena, old school in St. Louis, beats Tony Galenta by TKO at 2:29 in round four at Yankee Stadium in his seventh heavyweight boxing title defense. Nice. Um, yeah, that's a good one in my opinion. Um, Let's see. All right. Oh, some Hank Aaron stuff. We have some good stuff. Trying to get back into maybe some newer stuff. Um, 1971, here we go. U.S. Supreme Court uh, in a, a unanimous 8-0 decision overturns the draft evasion conviction of Muhammad Ali. Uh, didn't want to fight in the Vietnam War, got in trouble for it. And the Supreme Court said, no, he's good. Um, so that was that's a big thing and, and you know, uh, everything. Oh, here's a fun one. 1987, Boston outfielder Don Baylor sets Major League Baseball career hit by pitch mark at 244. He was hit by a pitch 244 times. Yep. <laughs> well, and it could have been more. That was just in that moment. That's crazy. When plunked by Rick Roden in Red Sox, 6-2 win over the Yankees. Oh, that's perfect. It's against the Yankees, too. Um, let's see. Jose Canseco, we don't really care about him. Um <laughs> Oh, Dwight Gooden was suspended in 94 for uh, drug charges, 60 days on this day. There we go. There we go. Um, 95, Devils. Oh, we don't care about the Devils winning the Whatever. Facts. Nobody cares about the Devils. Oh, here we go. 2000 NBA draft. Uh, Kenyon Martin. Uh, I'm oh not going to tell you where God. he went because that might be a, uh, a trivia question for when we all meet up. Uh, number one overall pick by the New Jersey Nets uh, <laughs> in 2000. 2005, Andrew Bogut, number one overall pick by the Bucks. Oh, Andrew Bogut. 2007, uh, Greg Oden, first overall pick by the Blazers. <laughs> um, 20, 2012, uh, the Unibrow, Anthony Davis, also known as Bert from Sesame Street, uh, first pick by the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, that looks like it's pretty good. So let's scroll back to the top real quick. We're going to go. And see, let's see whose birthday it is. Oh, there's a big one already. Who's but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to save it. Let's see if there's anybody else good before that. 
Oh, Junior Johnson. He was like he's like one of the greatest drivers of all time. Um, NASCAR Hall of Famer. He actually died in 2019. He was relatively old when he died. Um, happy birthday, Junior Johnson. Uh oh, John Baylor. Pretty sure we just said that, didn't we, John Baylor? I don't think so. Maybe. Yeah. Oh well, either way, it's his birthday. We'll say happy birthday. Al, uh, 1979. Al RBI leader. Yeah, 267 hit by pitches. Oh, yeah, the guy who gets birthday. hit all the time. Happy Happy birthday! He got hit on his birthday to break the record. Nice. That's pretty neat. Um, 1960. Happy birthday to John Elway, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Nice, nice. That was the big one. Yeah, now we're seeing if there's anybody else just hanging out. Um, Bobby Hurley. Fun fact, Bobby Hurley, Jersey City, New Jersey. Duke legend, Bobby Hurley. All right. Um, who else we got? Oh, Marvin. Oh, no, that's a different person. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Rob Deerdick. You know who that is, Ooh, right? Good one. Yeah, Robin Big. Happy birthday, Robbie Rob. Um, who else we got? Dude, there's a lot of birthdays today. I just not. And the, uh, yeah, that's, we'll, we'll, we'll call it for today. Happy birthday, Rob Deerdick and John Elway are big ones for the day. Thanks for uh, for hanging with us, guys. I'm trying to, this this hopefully it'll be about two hours, maybe a little bit less. Nothing nothing too crazy. I think once I edit everything and get everything rolling, um, I think our half was like 57 minutes or something like that, something close. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, all the socials, check us out: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you listen to your pods. Um, be sure to spread the word, uh, get it out because I think people are going to want to hear that interview. Always good to hear. Um, not just somebody big with the Phillies, but um, somebody important in Major League Baseball, um, in my opinion. Um, really kind of a trooper. I know lost his job for a little while, came right back with the Phillies to the radio network from TV. Love to see uh, it, too. That's awesome. I'm thankful they, they did that. Um, awesome that we got to do a list with Greg Murphy. Pretty cool. And I'm just going to be real. He's in the game, essentially. Uh, I'm going to go with his list. I think he wins the list today. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Tony Gonson's number one. Let's let's just roll with it, guys. Yeah, he, un- he understood the assignment for sure. Yeah. He, I'm glad he understood the assignment we gave him. No, we didn't understand the assignment that we, we, we gave him. That's fine. <laughs> uh, it's okay. All right. To shorts. I think that's about it. So <laughs> we're going to get this edited, get it out to you nice and quick. Um. This should be out by today, right? Yeah. If 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 you listen today, it was made today. What's up, homies? What's up, homies? <laughs> it's Tuesday. Yeah, that's this day in sports is usually on Sunday. It was on Tuesday today. So uh it was on uh the twenty eighth of June. Sure. So, sure. <laughs> All right. Um uh, we'll be right, back we're... next week with I uh, you would think UFC's gonna headline our next pod. Yeah, it's the biggest card of the year. Yeah, so. how big that pay-per-view is. But who knows? We'll have to see. You never know with what happens in five days in sports. So we'll have to see. Oh, Kyrie opted in. That's big That's big news since we've recorded. Uh, Russell Westbrook is uh, – cha- uh, what is it? I don't know. He, he's changed his contract to return to the team. Okay, good for him. I respect that. Yeah. Maybe make some more room to bring some other guys in. That's smart. He's, he's finally being a team player. It's a first. Yeah, there you go, Ross. Yeah, it's not all about you for once, Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, watch. That's like the one time somebody big's going to listen to our podcast and he's going to like shit all over our podcast. That's all right. We, Ross, we'd, get so, we'd get so many listeners if for some reason he heard that. Ross, oh, I don't care. No, but I'm saying that we'd get so many listeners. It'd be awesome. I'd be, uh, hey, Ross, you suck. <laughs> Westbrook. <laughs> all right. We, we've been rambling on for a while, guys. It's Jacobs for the shorts. Signing off. Peace out, Girl Scout. Boost!